And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is July the 5th, 186th day of the year. 179 days remain to the year's level with. You know, yesterday was the Roswell UFO Festival. And for 10 years, I spoke there every year. Had a new book. And then the great and powerful Don Smith got control of the board. And I had to go because I routinely outsold him. Um, Just absolutely ridiculous. If you didn't do his way, you were gone. And that's not right. But unfortunately, nobody wanted to oppose him. Well, as I said, this is July the 5th, and holidays and national days, National Bikini Day, I can get behind that, Armenia Constitution Day, Foreign Slovaks Day, Independence Day in Algeria, Mechanical Pencil Day, National Apple Turnover Day, National Graham Cracker Day, National Hawaii Day. National Ian Day, National Sylvia Day, National Workaholics Day, Pet Remembrance Day, St. Cyril and Methodius Tinwall Day, uh, Venezuela Independence Day, and Work Without Your Hands Day. It's uh, some strange observances out there. Well, in 328 AD, the official opening of Constantine's Bridge built over the Danube between uh, Susadava and uh, Sessus by the Roman architect uh, Theophilus uh, Patricius. 1316, the Burgundian Mallorcan claimants of the Principality of Achia meet in the Battle of Menelada. 1594, Portuguese forces under the command of Pedro Lopez de Sousa began an unsuccessful invasion of the Kingdom of Candy during the campaign of Dantura in Sri Lanka. 1610. John Guy set sail from Bristol with 39 colonists for Newfoundland. 1687. Isaac Newton publishes Philosophie Naturalis Principia Mathematica. 1770, the Battle of Chesma between the Russian Empire and the Ottoman Empire begins. 1775, the Second Continental Congress adopts the Olive Branch Petition. For those that don't know what that is, it was a final attempt to avoid war between Great Britain and the 13 colonies. Uh, Congress already authorized the invasion of Canada, but the petition affirmed American loyalty to Great Britain and asked King George III to prevent further conflict. Followed July 6th by declaration of the causes and necessity of taking up arms, which made it success unlikely in London. In August of 1775, the colonies were formally declared to be in rebellion by the proclamation of rebellion, and the petition was rejected by the British government. King George refused to read it before declaring the colonists traitors. That didn't work out too well. 1803, the Convention of Artien, Artlenburg is signed, leading to the French occupation of the electorate of Hanover, which had been ruled by the British king up to that point in time. 1807, Buenos Aires, the local militias, repelled the British soldiers within the Second English Invasion. 1809, the Battle of Wagram between the French and the Austrian empires begins. 1811, the Venezuelan Declaration of Independence was adopted by a Congress of the Provinces. 1813, during the War of 1812, three weeks of British raids on Fort Slosler, Black Rock, and Plattsburgh, New York, began. 1814, also during the War of 1812, Battle of Chippewa. American Major General Jacob Brown defeats British General Phineas Real at uh, Chippewa, Ontario. 1833, Ma Van Cole 
along with 27 soldiers, stage a mutiny taken over the Philinan Citadel, developing into the Lavankoi revolt against the Emperor Minmang. 1833, also saw Admiral Charles Napier vanquished the Navy of the Portuguese usurper Dom Miguel at the Third Battle of Cape St. Vincent. 1841, Thomas Cook organizes the first package excursion from Leicester to Longborough. 1852, Frederick Douglass delivers his What to Save What to the Slave is the Fourth of July speech in Rochester, New York. 1859, U.S. discovers and claims Midway Atoll. 1865, U.S. Secret Service begins operations, but nobody knew it because it was a secret. 1884, Germany takes possession of Cameroon. 1915, the Liberty Bell leaves Philadelphia by special train on its way to the Panama Pacific International Exposition. This is the last trip outside Philadelphia the custodians of the bell intend to allow. 1934, Bloody Thursday. Police open fire on striking longshoremen in San Francisco. 1935, National Labor Relations Board, which governs labor relations in the U.S., is signed into law by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. 1937, Spam. The luncheon meat is introduced into the market by Hormel Food Corporation. And uh, it's actually a brand of salty processed canned pork. So by 2003, it's sold in 41 countries. And trademarked at over a hundred. In the U.S., why is a state with the highest per capita consumption of spam, which has become an ingredient in the Hawaiian cuisine, and it's become part of popular culture? There was even a Monty Python sketch which repeated the name many times, leading to its name being borrowed to describe unsolicited electronic messages, especially email. It's occasionally celebrated in festivals such as the Spamarama in Austin. The uh, the product was actually intended to increase the sale of pork shoulder. Cut that doesn't sell very well. All right. 1940, World War II. Foreign relations of Vichy France are severed with the UK. 1941, World War II. Operation Barbarossa. Um, German troops reached the Dnieper River. 1943, World War II, an Allied invasion fleet sails for Sicily. It's called Operation Husky. Began July 10th, 1943. Also in 43, German troops began a massive offensive against the Soviet Union at the Battle of Kursk, also known as Operation Citadel. 1945, the UK holds its first general election in 10 years, which is won by Clement Attlee's Labour Party. 1946, Michelin uh, Bernardini models the first modern bikini at a swimming pool in Paris. 1948, National Health Service uh, Acts create the national public health system in the UK. 1950, Korean War. Task Force Smith, American and North Korean forces, clash for the first time in the Battle of Osan. Also in 1950, Zionism, the Knesset, passes the law of return that grants all Jews the right to immigrate to Israel. 1954, BBC broadcast its first daily television news bulletin. 1954, Elvis Presley recorded his first single, That's All Right, at Sun Records in Memphis, Tennessee. 1962, the official independence of Algeria is proclaimed after an eight-year-long war with France. 1970, Air Canada Flight 621 crashes at Brampton, Ontario, Canada. Kills all 109 people on board. 1971, the 26th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, lowering the voting age from 21 to 18, is formally certified by President Richard Nixon. 1973, a boiling record expanding vapor explosion in Kingman, Arizona, following a fire that broke out as 
Propane is being transferred from a railroad car to a storage tank. Kills 11 firefighters. 1973, juvenile. Abba Rimana seizes power in Rwanda in a coup d'etat. 1975, Arthur Ashe becomes the first black man to win the Wimbledon singles title. Also in 75, Cape Verde gets its independence from Portugal. 1977, the Pakistan Armed Forces under Mohammed Zia-Uhak seized power in Operation Fair Play and began 11 years of martial law. Zulfikar Ali Bhutto, the first elected Prime Minister of Pakistan, is overthrown. 1980, Swedish tennis player Bajorn Borg wins his fifth Wimbledon final, becomes the first male tennis player to win the championships five times in a row. That was from 1976 to 1980. 1984, Supreme Court gives its uh, United States versus Leon decision, providing a good faith, faith exception from the Fourth Amendment exclusionary rule against the use of evidence obtained through defective warrants in criminal trials. 1987, Sri Lankan Civil War, the LTTE uses suicide attacks on the Sri Lankan Army for the first time. The Black Tigers are born, and it's in the following years will continue to kill using that tactic. 1989, Iran-Contra affair. Oliver North is sentenced by U.S. District Judge uh, Gerhard Gassel to a three-year suspended prison term, two years probation, $150,000 fine, and 1,200 hours of community service. All his convictions are later overturned. I knew him. Uh, 1994, Jeff Bezos uh, founds Amazon. Estate 1995, Armenia adopts its constitution four years after its independence from the Soviet Union. 1996, Dolly the Sheep becomes the first mammal cloned from an adult cell. 1997, Sri Lankan Civil War. Sri Lankan Tamil MPA Tangotharai uh, is shot dead in Sri Lanka in the Siri Shamuga. Hindu Ladies College in Trincomalee. 1999, President Bill, I'm a great guy, Clinton, imposes trade and economic sanctions against the Taliban regime in Afghanistan. 2003, the World Health Organization announces the 2002-2004 SARS outbreak has been contained. The things you can do with executive orders, you can stop a pandemic in its tracks. 2004, the first direct Indonesian presidential election is held. 2006, North Korea tests four short-range missiles, one medium-range missile, and the long-range uh, Tapadong-2. Long-range Tapadong-2 reportedly fails in mid-air over the Sea of Japan. 2009, a series of violent riots break out in Yurumki, the capital city of the Xinjiang, Uyghur Autonomous Region in China. Also in 2009, the largest hoard of Anglo-Saxon gold ever discovered in Britain consisting of more than 1,500 items is found near the village of Hammerwich near its field in Staffordshire. 2012, the Shard in London is inaugurated as the tallest building in Europe with a height of uh, 1,020 feet. I remember when we had dinner at the World Trade Center. Windows on the World was a restaurant on top. You could sit and watch your glass slide side to side as the building swayed in the wind. 2016, the, the Juno space probe arrives at Jupiter and begins a 20-month survey of the planet. And in 2022, the British government ministers Sahid Javid and Rishi Sunak resigned from the second Johnson ministry beginning the July 2022 United Kingdom governmental crisis. Well, on that note, we've ended our little history segment. Remember, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. And certainly that has proven true over the years. Well, we've been talking about some of the greatest mysteries in the world. You know, there's a lot of very strange places. We're going to start out 
today talking about the Oracle at Delphi. You know, citizens of ancient Greece avail themselves of mystical intermediaries to communicate with uh, the great god Apollo, who, of course, pales into insignificance when compared to the great god Don Smith. Situated on mainland Greece beneath the cliffs of Mount Parnassus, the city of Delphi, what a unique place in ancient Greek culture. It thrived as a Greek center from about the 7th century B.C. to 200 B.C. And among the city's many buildings was the Temple of Apollo, home of the Delphic Oracle. Here a priestess, or maybe you call her a prophetess, called the Pythia, answered questions put to her by politicians, military leaders, and even commoners who traveled to Delphi from throughout the land. Pythia would breathe in a hydrocarbon gas from a crack in the ground and fall into a trance and communicate with Apollo. Or at least communicated with something. The words she uttered, thought to be inspired by the god, were usually incoherent uh, ramblings, incomprehensible to the people who came for the prophecies. Male priest in a temple, though, interpreted the Pythia's words and translated them into common language and passed them on to the advice seekers. Unsurprisingly, the oracle's prophecies were cryptic, certainly open to interpretation, and quite often had double meanings. Runs at Delphi still stand today, and they're evidence of the dynamic place the city and temple held in ancient Greece. I wonder if the uh, hydrocarbon gas still comes out of the crack. And it makes about as much sense as the ramblings that come out of uh, Congress. Let's talk about the Carnic Stones. French countryside is home to some of the world's oldest man-made structures. Karnak, located on the northwest coast of France, is home to a number of remarkable megalithic burial mounds, stone tombs, circular stone enclosures, and nearly 3,000 standing stones arranged in an avenue-like linear fashion. Breastwork farmers are said to have built the site about 4,700 B.C., Though, since this came from some of the ivory tower scientists, it is open to uh, argument. The granite stones vary in size from a foot in height to 21 feet, and some of them weighing up to several hundred tons are arranged in neat parallel rows called alignments. The Camario alignment consists of 1,029 stones in 10 columns spanning a length of 4,300 feet. Site also features numerous dolmens, tombs made with two or more standing stones topped by a horizontal slab. Spectacular Crucuno dolmen is thirteen foot by eleven foot rectangular chamber made with nine support stones and a horizontal capstone that uh, is twenty five feet long and weighs more than forty tons. The exact purpose of the, the site, especially the alignments is really open to question. Recent scholarship contends the alignments uh, point to important or sacred sites such as the enclosures. And in addition, the alignments and mounds may also have served an astronomical function. Maybe they acted as calendars or were used to track the movement of heavenly bodies. There are those that believe Karnak uh, was a large lunar observatory. But of course, when in doubt, that's the fallback position about most of the ancient ruins on the planet. Has something to do with the, the heavens, yes. Now let's talk about the Great Pyramids of Giza. Three spectacular pyramids are, are perched atop the plateau of Giza on the west bank of the Nile River. They symbolize the glory of ancient Egypt and its mysterious past. You know, rising from the arid desert, the pyramids of Giza are 
believed to be tombs built to serve as the final resting place by the, for the greatest kings of Egypt. Of course, there's no sign anybody ever inhabited the Great Pyramid. Northernmost pyramid was built for Khufu, known as Cheops in Greek, called the Great Pyramid. It's the oldest and largest pyramid of the group and only survivor of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Each of the four sides of its base measures 755 feet in length, and its original height was uh, 481 feet. The Middle Pyramid, which was the second to be constructed, was built for Khafre. It's 705 feet along each side, and originally was 471 feet tall. Southernmost Pyramid was uh, originally encased in glistening white limestone. The Great Pyramid itself had a uh, gold-plated capstone. Thieves and plunderers have long since taken anything of value. The Great Pyramid, which was believed to be built about 2650 B.C., though that's up for discussion, one of the world's most astonishing man-made structures. More than two million blocks of limestone, each weighing more than two tons, were quarried, cut, transported, and assembled to create this enormous structure. Inside the pyramid, uh, there were three large chambers connected by corridors and passageways. The sarcophagus, uh, alleged to be that of uh, Khufu, is located in what's called the King's Chamber. And though the King's um, remains have never been found, it's really uncertain as to whether anybody was ever buried in the sarcophagus at all. Great gallery, a 152-foot long, 29-foot high passageway is another main feature of the Great Pyramid. Despite all we know about the Great Pyramid, though, there's a lot of questions that have never been answered. How do Egyptians manage such a complex engineering project? We couldn't do it today. How were the massive stones lifted and put in place? And frankly, what was the purpose of the Great Pyramid? Without evidence that Khufu was ever buried there, are we really certain the pyramid was actually constructed as a tomb? Interior walls of the pyramid are completely bare of decorations or markings of any kind. If a tomb, we'd expect the king's name to appear somewhere. But if it wasn't a tomb, what was it? Some claim the pyramid was a celestial observatory or a structure built by ancient aliens. Countless theories have made their way into popular culture from which we get many documentaries, films, and novels about the power and mysticism of the, the ancient structures. Modern technology may well help answer the riddles of the Great Pyramid, but maybe the most enigmatic aspect of this structure is that it, uh, after over 5,000 years of uh, after it was constructed, we still don't know what the hell it was. And then, of course, from the pyramids, we have Karnak and Luxor, two of ancient Egypt's greatest and most ambitious building projects. Temple of Karnak, also called the Temple of Amun, located on the east bank of the Nile at Thebes. Temper, temple honors Amun and other Egyptian gods. Construction on this sanctuary, the halls, the pylons, the courtyards, man-made lake, or make up the entire complex, began about 1970 B.C. The site was built gradually with additions and renovations continuing for many centuries. Through the Ptolemaic dynasty of the, of the Greeks, considered one of Egypt's most sacred places, the complex is one of the world's largest religious sites. It covers over 200 acres. The most imposing building at Karnak was the massive Hippostyle Hall, covering 57,000 square feet. Its roof, which has since fallen in, was supported by 134 stone columns, 72 feet tall and 11 feet in diameter. Halls built by Seti I, with additions made by his successor Ramses II. 
and after Rome got control of the Egypt in 30 B.C., fewer people visited the complex, of course. And by the 4th century A.D., it was absolutely completely abandoned. Located one and a half miles south of Karnak is Luxor, which is a massive temple built by a series of Egyptian pharaohs during the 14th century B.C. It's not, can't, it's not dedicated to any specific god or host of gods, but rather to the physical and spiritual renewal and rejuvenation of the kings. Visitors enter the complex through a massive pylon featuring two towers, measuring 78 feet high and 210 feet wide. Towers are carved with a scene depicting Ramses II at the Battle of Kadesh against the Hittites. Two huge seated statues of the great pharaoh guard the, the gateway. A structure called the Great Hall of Ramses II is uh, 188 feet long and 168 feet wide. 74 columns somewhat supported its roof, and numerous standing statues of Ramses II occupy a portion of the space. Straight Avenue line with an estimated 1,350 human-headed sphinxes once connected to the temples of Karnak and Luxor. Six shrines used during festival processions were also set up on the roadway, which was restored in 2010. Today, they're popular tourist attractions, but that's pretty much it. The grandeur of that is whatever may have been the purpose. We really don't know. Well... Let's talk about Lourdes and the so-called sacred waters. You know, this religious shrine had its beginnings when a poor farm girl claimed to have visions of the Virgin Mary. And these visions inspired thousands of pilgrims to journey to a small French town in hopes of getting a cure being healed of some ailment. It began in 18, um, 1858 in France. Lourdes, it was a small market town in the foothills of the Pyrenees Mountains in southwest France. 14-year-old Bernadette Subrius claimed she had 18 visitations with the Virgin Mary. The encounter supposedly occurred at a grotto next to the Gavidipo River. Teenager reported the apparition told her to drink from and bathe in the waters of a spring in the grotto, and the local priest built a chapel there. If that happened today, it might make a YouTube video, but that would be the end of it. Three years later, construction began on the first of several churches, chapels, and basilicas in the vicinity of the grotto. The word of the alleged Curative properties of the grotto spread. By the late 1860s, thousands of people afflicted with various illnesses and health issues began to pour into the tiny town each year. Over the year, thousands of pilgrims to Lourdes claimed to have been healed of various ailments by drinking or bathing in the waters of the spring, which is by now a treasured religious shrine featuring a large sacred complex called the Sanctuary of the Lady of Lourdes. Cancers and tuberculosis and arthritis and mental illness and severed limbs and dozens of other afflictions have reportedly been cured. However, ivory tower scientists have conducted chemical analysis of the Lord's water and show it contains no special properties capable of curing illnesses. But in spite of that, each year, about 350,000 pilgrims bathe in the waters of the specially constructed baths. Millions make the journey to fill bottles of water to carry home. Amazingly enough, the water is free. Well, you know, you can find lost cities and abandoned ruins almost every country on the planet. In Cambodia, there was a once great Hindu temple city, abandoned, forgotten for centuries. The jungle overran it. It's hidden deep in the jungle of present-day Cambodia. 
It's the ruins of a civilization whose discovery stunned the archaeological community. Once home to millions of people, the city contained one of the largest religious buildings in the world and was surrounded by enormous waterways. Discovered by French naturalist Henri Mohaut in 1860, the city of Angkor in Cambodia's northern province of Siem Reap covered more than 150 square miles and consists of temples and houses and shrines and reservoirs and canals and terraces. Hundreds of statues and carvings depicting emperors and events from Hindu mythology appear throughout the city. But when the French scientist arrived there, he found the once great metropolis in near complete ruin, empty and crumbling, all but overrun by the jungle. Now, Angkor was the capital city of the Khmer Empire, which flourished in Southeast Asia from the 9th to the 15th century A.D. They eventually abandoned the city, but nobody seems to know why. Some historians claim an invasion by Thai armies in 1431 forced the city's inhabitants to flee. Others argue for the tired old global warming uh, shift resulted in disastrous uh, flood damage. But whatever may have been the reason, the, the Khmer abandoned their city in the 15th century. Then we've got Glastonbury Tor. It's a mysterious hill that's said to be the burial place of the mythical King Arthur. Towering above the plains of Somerset uh, levels is uh, Summer in Somerset, England is uh, Glastonbury Tor. It's a 520-foot hill that's one of Britain's most mysterious places. Some historians believe the this hill of clay and sandstone visible from up to 30 miles away is formed when the softer surrounding earth eroded, leaving the conical peak of sandstone exposed. Others claim that Glastonbury was once an island sitting in flooded marshland that in time dried up. Over the centuries, numerous churches and sanctuaries built of wood and later on stone were erected on the summit of Glastonbury Tor. First known uh, date of construction at the town is uh, 712 A.D. The only structure atop the peak of Glastonbury Tor today's remains of St. Michael's Church, which was built in the 14th century. In 1190 A.D., monks of Glastonbury claimed they discovered the graves of King Arthur and his queen Guinevere. Modern historians dismiss uh, Glastonbury's Arthur's uh, final resting place, claiming the monks uh, concocted the tale to increase the abbey's uh, prominence. But then again, there have been many stories about a, a huge sarcophagus like um, found, and in it were the, uh, the bones of a large man and a, a woman. So maybe, in fact, they did find Arthur's gravesite. Well, from Glastonbury, let's talk about uh, Loch Ness and the strange legendary creature that continues to astonish and enthrall people despite uh, I retire scientists saying there's nothing there, nothing to see, move on. You know, the strange spectacle on Loch Ness has baffled a lot of people. There was a headline May 2nd, 1933 in the Inverness uh, Courier and it talked about uh, a strange creature that disported itself, rolling and plunging for over a minute, its body resembling that of a whale in the water, cascading and churning like a simmering cauldron. Mr. and Mrs. John McKay claimed to have spotted the monster while driving along a shore road adjacent to the lake, and they provided the story of the alleged sighting of this unidentifiable creature to a correspondent for the Inverness Courier. Weeks later, another couple in the area reported seeing the creature on land. 
They said it was 25 feet long with a long, narrow neck. Uh, the legend of the Loch Ness Monster, which is referred to as Nessie, long been established in local folklore. You can find stories going back as far as 1,500 years. When local inhabitants carved an image of a large sea creature into a nearby megalithic structure. Additionally, an early written account of the creature claims that in 565 A.D., St. Columba confronted and turned away a large beast at Loch Ness who was about to kill a man. Now, Loch Ness, which is situated southwest of Inverness in the Scottish Highlands, is uh, 23 miles long and a mile wide. Its deepest point is uh, 755 feet. It's probably the most famous lake in the world, being home to Nessie. Incredible proof of the creature's existence was believed to be a 1934 photograph of a dinosaur-like creature with a long, thin neck breaking the surface of the water. It was known as the surgeon's photograph of the man who sold the copyright of the photo to a newspaper. It was a surgeon named Robert Kenneth Wilson. Of course, an ivory tower scientist declared it a hoax in 1979. Of course, when a scientist says it's a hoax, all bow down. Scores of photos and films of this creature have been unable to prove its existence. In 2003, a BBC-sponsored search of Loch Ness using sonar and satellite navigation to scour the lake from shore to shore and top to bottom found nothing lurking in its depths. But despite the lack of scientific proof, or maybe because of it, tens of thousands of tourists trekked to Loch Ness each year in hopes of getting a glimpse of the legendary creature. The continuing fascination has created an industry around Nessie and added value to the regional economy. And from Nessie, let's turn to stories of unicorns. You know, likely mistaken for the real-life oryx, elin, or even an extinct species, the legendary creature from antiquity has amazed and enchanted humans for thousands of years. According to Pliny the Elder, a Roman author and naturalist in the first century A.D., the unicorn is the fiercest animal, and it said that it's impossible to capture one alive. Got the body of a horse, the head of a stag, the feet of an elephant, the tail of a boar and a single black horn three feet long in the middle of its forehead. I guess that means it can't wear a hat. Most ancient people were convinced unicorns were bona fide creatures of nature. The earliest known written description of unicorns comes from the 5th century B.C. Greek historian Cetaceus. He described the animals having a single horn and a and colored white, red, and black. Tales and accounts of Unicorns became commonplace in Europe during the Middle Ages. Some writers, such as Archbishop Isidore of uh, Seville, were absolutely positive it existed. In the 7th century, he wrote, It's very strong and pierces anything it attacks. It fights with elephants and kills them by wounding them within the belly. And in the King James Version of the Bible, unicorns are frequently mentioned. According to the Book of Numbers, Chapter 23, verse 22, God brought them out of Egypt as it were the strength of a unicorn. Many people believe the horn of the unicorn held magical and medicinal powers. said to cure diseases of all kinds and could detect poison if stirred into drink or mixed with blood and food. Greedy entrepreneurs ground up the tusk of elephants or walrus or of the horns of the orcs of the tusk-like canine tooth of the narwhal and sold the power as cures, claiming it came from a real-life unicorn. Certainly. It'd be interesting to determine, does in fact the unicorn exist? Then, of course, we have the great giant ape-like creature that reportedly stalks the woodlands of the Pacific Northwest, known as Bigfoot. Monster myth, the saga of Bigfoot took a huge leap into American uh, folklore in July of 1924 when the Oregonian reported a violent clash between a group of miners and a 
band of hairy ape men. According to Fred Beck, one of the miners, the team spotted the uh, creatures while working on Mount St. Helens in the state of Washington. A miner shot one of them, triggering an assault on the workers' cabin by the angry creatures that night. According to Beck, the Bigfoot stood eight feet tall and weighed six to eight hundred pounds and with feet measuring 19 inches in length. Now, by anybody's standard, that's a Bigfoot. That same year, Canadian prospecting lumberjack Albert Osterman was looking for a lost gold mine near Toba Inlet in British Columbia. According to him, as he lay in his sleeping bag one night, he was picked up and carried off to the wilderness by a large hairy creature, held captive for six days, finally escaped unharmed. And so overwhelmed was he by what he saw, he didn't even tell his story for 33 years. He thought people would think him crazy. Many people believe the most compelling piece of evidence proving the existence of Bigfoot is a 60-second motion picture shot by Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin at Bruff Creek in northern uh, Canada. The film allegedly shows a female Bigfoot turning its head and looking directly at the camera as it strides off about 25 feet from the two men. Of course, most retired scientists uh, dismiss the film as a hoax, though others have taken a more favorable view. Of course, the complete lack of physical evidence of Bigfoot hadn't prevented the creature from becoming a pop cultural sensation. Movies and TV programs and books keep the legend alive and growing. And merely because... There are those that don't believe something exists. Doesn't mean that's correct. I mean, in spite of there to be no evidence whatsoever to claim that we have elected politicians that care about the voters when there's no proof of that. Just absolutely mind-boggling. From Bigfoot, let's talk about dragons. The most popular and enduring of all legendary creatures. They've appeared in nearly every culture in every corner of the globe. The fire-breathing monsters that torment fair damsels and battle knights. Creatures whose thrashing wings and tails transform calm seas and skies into raging torrents. Uh, as I said, every single civilization, every culture stories of dragons. Some dragons live in dark, damp caves, others on one-slept mountain peaks, others in grand palaces deep under the sea. Earliest known dragon dates back more than 4,000 years to ancient Babylon, where a myth credits the formation of the universe to a ferocious she-dragon named Tiamat. Hundreds of years later, the powerful sea-dragon Leviathan appeared in the book of Job, snorting throws out flashes of light its eyes are like the rays of dawn flames stream from its mouth and sparks from the fire shootout smoke pours out of its nostrils and from a boiling pot over burning reeds well such vivid biblical imagery convinced many people that dragons were in fact real often symbolizing satan himself and these beliefs created Christian legends of brave heroes and religious holy men such as St. George who slayed dragons to protect the innocent from the correcting power of the devil. You see a lot of that in medieval art. The entrance of hell is frequently depicted as the fearsome mouth of a dragon, razor-sharp teeth ready to devour humanity's lost souls. And dragons played a significant role in Chinese culture. Their uh, likenesses appearing prominently on architecture and sculpture and fabrics in China. Dragons are commonly thought to bring good fortune and are honored in numerous festivals and celebrations. At the same time, dragons are also believed to be a destructive force, bringing devastating floods and typhoons upon the land. In the Americas, the Aztec uh, dragon Quetzalcoatl, a feathered serpent-like creature, was a 
worshipped as a god, the founder of the Aztec civilization who brought culture, language, and agriculture to Mesoamerica. In the long ago past, the giant skeletal remains of whales and the fossils of dinosaurs and large mammals were seen by some people as proof that dragons existed, either as a creature living at the time or one who'd become extinct. But like the Loch Ness Monster and unicorns and Bigfoot, it's our fascination with the mysterious and improbable that keeps alive the mythology of the dragon. And then we have the the mysterious minotaur of ancient Crete. Did a flesh-eating monster roam the darkened court of a labyrinth deep below the ancient palace at Knossos? And one of the ancient world's most bizarre but enduring myths is the tale of the minotaur. The grotesque Greek mythological monster with the body of a man and the head of a bull. According to this myth, the god uh, Poseidon gave Minos, the king of Crete, a magnificent white bull to sacrifice in his name. Minos, though, sacrificed a different bull instead. Poseidon learned about the king's deception. He punished Minos by making his wife, Persephone, fall in love with the white bull. She eventually consummated her passion with the beast, and from this union was born the Minotaur. Well, not exactly a happy camper, Minos had an enormous labyrinth built underneath his palace in the city of Knossos. And there the ferocious Minotaur was kept, feeding on children, sent his annual tribute from the Athenians. Well, there were images of bulls that appeared widely throughout Cretan culture. 1900, British archaeologist Sir Arthur Evans, while excavating at Knossos, found depictions of bulls on rings and sealed stones and in both reliefs and enormous colorful frescoes. Well, the story of human sacrifice at Knossos has a tradition of being dismissed as myth by the average tower scientist. But excavations conducted by British archaeologist Peter Warren in 1979 turned up about 350 human bones, including those of several children, which supports the fact that sacrifices were given to the Minotaur. Well, from the Minotaur, let's talk about the all-powerful Kraken. According to Alfred Lord Tennyson, below the thunders of the upper deep, far, far beneath in the abysmal sea, his ancient, dreamless, uninvaded sleep, the kraken sleepeth. Well, his poem refers to the north legend of a monstrous inhabitant of the deep seas that reputedly attacked ships off the coast of Norway. And though tales of enormous multi-tentacled sea creatures have existed since the time of the ancient Greeks, one of the earliest and most detailed written accounts of this gigantic sea fiend, known as the Kraken, appears in a history of Norway, written in 1752 by the Norwegian bishop, Pontrapadan. Reports of ships being attacked by a giant sea creature, though rare, were nonetheless highly publicized in newspapers at the time. By the 18th century, the Kraken had developed a spine-chilling reputation by the early 19th century. Lurid, sensationalistic drawings and illustrations of Kraken attacking ships and drowning helpless seamen could be seen in novels and magazines and even natural history publications. The living, breathing inspiration for the Kraken is, of course, the giant squid, which can grow to 43 feet with the colossal squid, which can reach 46 feet. Oceanographers and scientists have verified numerous attacks at sea by giant squids. In 2003, French yachtsmen sailing in the around-the-world Jules Verne Trophy uh, reported um, that a giant squid about 26 feet long attached itself to the boat. I was really pulling the boat hard, according to one of the crew. We didn't have anything to 
scare it off, so I don't know what we'd have done if it hadn't just let go. Well, stories of mysterious creatures come from all corners of the globe. Even Marco Polo, the great globetrotter's travelogue, introduced Westerners to the mysteries of Asia. And he talked about some of the wildlife he encountered. One of his segments of leaving the city of Yachi and traveling 10 days in a westerly direction, you reached the province of Karazan, and here are seen huge serpents, 30 feet long and girt to the bodies, 8 feet. Four part near the head, they have two short legs, having three claws like those of a tiger. Well, these words came out of uh, the Travels of Marco Polo, written about uh, 1300. This chronicles the adventures of traveler and trader Marco Polo. 1271, the Venice-born Polo visited Asia with his father and uncle. And shortly after he came home, he was imprisoned by Genoans at the time warring with Venice. During the time he was imprisoned, he regaled his cellmates with tales of his travels. And one of his listeners was Rusticello di Pisa, an Italian writer who recorded Bolo's words and actually produced the famous travelogue. In the book, he talks about his travels through Asia and describes the geography, his cities, and the people of numerous Chinese provinces. He also documented his encounters with unfamiliar animals, such as the creature unknown to Polo, referred to... Uh, in that little snippet I read, it was actually a crocodile. According to Polo, the jaws are wide enough to swallow a man, the teeth are large and sharp, and the whole appearance is so formidable, neither a man nor any kind of animal can approach him without terror. He recognized some creatures, such as oxen and wild sheep, but he missed a mark on some others. He said they're wild elephants in that country, talking about Java, and numerous unicorns, which are very nearly as big. Got hair like a buffalo, feet like an elephant, and horn in the middle of the forehead, which is black, very thick. Well, there, the avatar scientists believed what he was talking about was actually a rhinoceros. And of course, one of his descriptions still continues to puzzle historians and avatar scientists alike. He said, Now you must know in this kingdom of Lambry, there are men with tails. Tails are a palm in length and have no hair on them. They live in the mountain or a kind of wild man. A lot of folks assume he was describing an orangutan, but orangutans don't have tails. So nobody really knows what it was he was talking about. Well, on that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow and talk about more of the world's greatest mysteries. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.